And welcome back. Folks, that means it is straight talk time. Straight talk time. Straight talk time. Call us, 877-795-0122. Again, the number is 877-795-0122. And folks, today is the day you need to call in. We've got a big double header coming your way. We've got Monsignor Charles Mangan in one of the seats and Dr. Chris Bergwald in the other. I'm just going to sit back and watch. Okay, but we're not, you make, you're setting this up like a prize fight, Heather. It's not like Monsignor are going to be battling, battling each other. But there we're, is, I would be, I would guess that there's very little these two between their two brains couldn't figure out. Well, well let's not make this stump the uh, the guests, the Monsignor, we could, the, would be the doctor. We don't want that at all. Stump the DC Bergwald. So, yeah, please feel free to call in 877-795-0122, or you can pose your questions on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather, you mentioned that you haven't seen Monsignor since he got back. Maybe we should talk about back from where and how that was a little bit while our, while our questions are coming in. Yeah, well, we, we had to send him away. Not the first time. Not the first time. Not the first time. It wasn't the first time Monsignor's gotten a time out. <laughs> No, you had the opportunity to go to Rome. I did. What were you doing in Rome for a year? Well, Heather, I was there uh, from Ash Wednesday approximately, actually before Ash Wednesday, uh, until the end of June. And I had the opportunity to study uh, in Rome and spend time uh, at the Casa Santa Maria, which is the house for priests from the United States, diocesan priests, who are studying in Rome, sent by their bishops to study. It was a beautiful blessing for me. I was studying Mariology, uh, as I have before, and it was just another great gift. Wow. Now, is it true that you got a doctorate? I'm working on the dissertation that leads to the doctorate, yes. And it's on Mariology? It is. It's on the the Marian references in the writings of St. John Fisher. How many doctors are there in that field? Uh, well, as far as Mariologists, uh, there would be many throughout really? the world, uh, many who have studied theology and then perhaps have a special application to Mariology. Um, so there's great interest. Wow. There really is. Beautiful. It's yes. perfect for you. Yes. Yeah. It's a beautiful blessing. Praise Absolutely. God. Well, we do have our first question, Monsignor. Um one emailed in from Tiffany. I'm going to go ahead and read it, and um, I'll, I'm reading it, so that means you get the first crack at answering it. How's it, how's it sound? That sounds fine. See what I did there, Monsignor? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Tiffany emailed in. My question in short is, why be Catholic? To expand, if we are Christians or disciples of Christ, and we are following the commands given to us in the Bible, that is, learning about God, making time for him each day by reading his word, and spending time in prayer, spreading the good news, and striving each and every day to get closer to God and to do his will, why should we become Catholic in your opinion? Why would we not simply strive to be like Paul, who was called a Christian, and proved to be living his life for Christ, and who continued the work Christ started when he was here? Looking forward to your hearing your input. Thank you. Tiffany, thank you for that great question. As you said, it's a simple question in a sense. Why be Catholic? And you uh, gave a, a, a beautiful, uh, expanded uh, version of your question. So again, Monsignor, what, what's your initial thought on Tiffany's question? Well, Tiffany, I would say that... Uh To be a Catholic is the perfect realization of what it means to be a Christian. I think we could also say that your question, in a sense, might be, is Christianity enough? Is it enough to be a Christian? 
And I would say uh, in its most pure form, yes, it would be enough to be a follower of Christ. How that happens is by attending to not only sacred scripture, but also to the vast body of what the church has captured and passed down to us over the years. So we're really talking here about scripture and tradition. To be a Catholic is to apply what it means to be a Christian uh, in its fullest form. Now, that isn't a spirit of elitism. It's not a spirit of superiority. Triumphalism. That's right. But what it is, is it's to be able to understand that um, all that has happened in 2,000 years is not for naught. You know, it's not enough to be frozen and to say, we believe uh, what happened at the time of Jesus. uh, And of course, that's so important. But what about the bride of Christ, the church, being able to explain? How do we accept what the church explains to us? Therefore, uh, to be a Catholic makes sense. It's a reasonable and rational application of what it means to be a Christian. I think it's a beautiful answer, Monsignor. Just to uh, add to it a little bit, I think, um, or, or compliment it, um, I think sometimes when um, other Christians look at the Catholic Church or think about uh, the various Christian traditions, Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, I think sometimes uh, other Christians look at those as sort of different different flavors. The way we might mm-hmm. look at being a Dominican or, or a Benedictine or a Franciscan, just different ways to be Christian. And if that were true, I, I think... I, coming from the angle, it makes her, Tiffany's question makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, for us as Catholics, why be Dominican or Franciscan or Benedictine? Uh, right. Does it really matter? But for for us, um, our Catholic faith, as as you said, Monsignor, um, we hold that through the grace of God alone, and not nothing that we did to earn it. That as as uh, the Catholic Church has been given the fullness of truth and the fullness of the means of salvation without any error. So if we desire to be Christian, just to be perhaps hearing hearing us talk about this, it might sound elitist as you church would teach the church without error. So it's a church that's teaching the fullness of the truth, and and our our proposal is if you investigate history and scripture, um, and you think about this as as so many. Christians throughout the centuries have, you see that as as much good as there is in various traditions, the fullness is in fact in the Catholic Church. Yes, and as you said, we don't earn it, uh, we don't deserve it, we don't merit it, but we are to avail ourselves of it. We are to have recourse to it. We are to open ourselves to it. Well, and you're both... You're, and here's Heather, the layperson. You're both saying the fullness of truth of the Catholic Church. And it, in my mind, what I'm hearing is the Eucharist. Yeah, and I would say, now, there's, we're going to get to another question, I think, in a little bit that's going to come at that from a slightly right. different angle. But okay. um, especially when we're thinking about our Protestant brothers and sisters, why, if, if, if Tiffany, if you and I were having a face-to-face conversation and you said, why be Catholic? My short answer is because of the Eucharist. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's kind of your point, Heather, because we have the opportunity even daily to receive to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, literally body, blood, soul, and divinity. So beautiful testimony, Tiffany, to um, the the point about uh, praying every day, striving to spread the good news, etc. 
And, and yet, as, as Catholics, we're able to take that relationship to another level, mm-hmm. Monsignor, and receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Absolutely. And really, this is about accepting the gift of the sacraments. Yeah, um, you know, that's one of the, uh, I think, the great tragedies uh, of the 500 years uh, that we've just experienced. And that is that so many of our Christian brothers and sisters uh, don't have access to the sacraments, yes. the seven sacraments. And once again, we are grateful for that without in any way thinking that somehow we deserve it. Yep. But we right. try to open ourselves to that and be grateful for it. I love it. All right. Thanks well, for that question, email question, Tiffany. Absolutely. We're in the middle of straight talk. If you have a question for us, feel free to call in 877-795-0122. Again, 877-795-0122. Or you can submit any questions that you ha- might have on Facebook. We're going to go to the phone lines right now. Linda is on the line with us. Linda, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hello? And you have a question for Dr. Bergwald and Monsignor. Yes, I do. We have, we've had this debate several times, and we want to be sure we're telling the right answers. Um, if someone is going to an Orthodox service on a Sunday um, and in full participation with it because of, of a close family member that they're going to Mass with, um, does it count as a Catholic Mass for them on that Sunday? Do they need to go to the Catholic Mass, or is that sufficient for them? Thank you, Linda, for the question. Uh, actually, a Catholic is required to go to a Mass, a Catholic Mass, um, which is in union with Rome. Uh, that is the ideal always to be able to attend Mass, uh, to be able to celebrate our faith, and also to recognize our, our uh, unity uh, with the Vicar of Christ on Earth, who is the Pope. Uh, so for a Catholic to go to an Orthodox liturgy, the Divine Liturgy on Sunday, would not fulfill the obligation for a Catholic to attend Mass. Okay, that, that answers it. Thank Are you, you there, so Linda? much. Yes, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. There aren't Monsignor throughout the region. Um, there are, I think, well, probably a, a handful, at least in the listening area, the Dakota, Minnesota, Dakotas, Minnesota, parts of Wisconsin and Wyoming, um, a few Orthodox parishes, churches. Um, so I know this question does come up on occasion. I think part of it, going back to what we were saying earlier with regard to Tiffany's question, is um, the sacraments are valid uh, in in the Eastern Orthodox churches because they have apostolic succession, but as you mentioned, they aren't in union with right. Rome. Right, that's right. So we look at the uh, sacraments in the Orthodox Church, and certainly, as Dr. Bergwald has said, they are valid. It's just that uh, for us as Catholics, we don't um, celebrate, if you will, the oneness uh, that we have as members of the Catholic Church by attending an Orthodox Church, in order for us to recognize and celebrate that, we do need to attend the Catholic Church for the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank Very you, interesting. Well, folks, you're listening to Straight Talk. It's your opportunity as listeners to call in and ask some local 
know-it-alls. <laughs> kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. They do know a lot, though, folks, truly. 877 If you have any questions on faith or just some maybe current events that are going on and you would like some answers, you can submit them. We can also uh, submit any questions that you might have on Facebook. But, Senior, um, we've just celebrated the Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and we're coming up to September here, um, where we'll be celebrating the Feast of Her Birth, Our Lady of Sorrows. So, um, August and September, I think most months, uh, it, it seems like these two months in particular are more heavily Marian than some of the other months. Yes. Um, and, and I'm just curious, as, 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 as you just returned from studies in Rome, um, and the, the, the intellectual dimension, you mentioned the Mariology of St. John Fisher, as we're celebrating these feasts, um, any particular angle um, that, that you're, you're struck these days about how Mary impacts the li- our lives, the lives of our listeners? Well, I would say, Dr. Bergwald, we are uh, so blessed and overjoyed to be able to reflect on Mary and to seek to understand her role in our life. Uh, what is this all about? Really, I think it all comes back to the fact that all we say about Mary is derived from her role as the mother of God. So when we think about Mary and we think about her assumption, her assumption happened because she was the worthy mother of God who was conceived without original sin, um, the ever-virgin mother of God. Uh, whatever feast we're celebrating, and this week we also have the Queenship of Mary, and right, yes. as you say in September, we have her birth, we have the most holy name of Mary, we have the uh, sorrows of Mary, and we even have in some religious orders in some places throughout the world the celebration of Our Lady of Mercy, <coughs> Our Lady of Ransom on the 24th of September. So we have a lot during September. Um, this is all about, I think, seeing Mary as the mother of the Lord. And then uh, we, because of our relationship with God, have a special relationship with her. Uh, we're the sons and daughters of Mary because we are the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, um, I think we see these great days and feast days and celebrations as a reminder of the fact that Mary is the mother of the Lord and we are her sons and daughters because of our relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really fits in so beautifully. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben Senior. Yes. All right, folks, you're listening to Straight Talk. You can call in with any questions you might have, 877-795-0122. Again, 877-795-0122, or you can submit any questions that you might have on Facebook. (coughs) Looks like we have an anonymous question that was submitted. We hear about this idea of temperance. What is it, and how is that different from prudence? Great question. So um, this actually refers to two of, of what the, the, the church has long called the four cardinal virtues, the, the chief, if you will, cardinal moral virtues, um, not just in the life of the Christian, but really the life of, of anyone seeking to live the virtuous life. They were identified even uh, before the time of Jesus by some of the pagan philosophers like Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, and so on. So prudence, justice justice, temperance, and fortitude. Prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. So in addition to temperance and prudence, there is fortitude and justice, which are the other, and, not injustice, sorry, and justice. want to be clear. Injustice (laughs) is not a virtue. (laughs) Um, So uh, temperance is about 
tempering our appetites, our desires for um, goods, I would say material goods, material pleasures, um, whether it be food or drink or sexual pleasure, any of those sorts of pleasures, um, all of the virtues that, that are associated with that, abstinence, chastity, and so on, they all fall under, they're all daughters, uh, as the tradition says, of, of the virtue of temperance. So it's not about saying, Monsignor, that any of those desires are bad or those things that we consume, like food and drink are bad. They're obviously they're good things from the Lord, but we have to order our desires properly. And temperance is the overarching virtue that helps us um, sort of properly order. Uh, so gluttony is a sin against the virtue of abstinence and therefore against the, uh, the virtue of temperance because we might eat too much. Um, on the other hand, and curious to hear Monsignor what you think, prudence is, is, simply, is, is about, to me it's akin to wisdom. I mean, it's just in all things, making wise choices, doing what's the best thing in the moment. So it is sometimes, I think the, the analogy, if I'm the metaphors, the backbone of the virtues, prudence is, um, in, in, in the entire life of virtue, whereas temperance is really about uh, material or earthly goods being properly ordered. Yes, Dr. Bergwald, and interestingly too, uh, when we talk about those four cardinal virtues, usually prudence is listed number one. Yes. And the, it's even been called the queen, queen of, yes. of the cardinal yes. virtues. And so I think this question by our anonymous friend here uh, is on to something because when you think about it, as you said, Dr. Bergwald, uh, temperance is to order these desires, especially for food and drink and for the desire for the uh, act that leads to reproduction. Um but uh, let's remember here that prudence, as you said, is about right judgment, right conduct. Right. So uh, they're very closely connected. You know, prudence helps us know how to be temperate right. and how to practice temperance. So they are. These four cardinal virtues are very much connected. They're related. Yes, they're related. Um, the, could you speak more than your own understanding of the distinction Then they're related? I guess it'd be prudence because it's the queen, it's the backbone. It has a broader application. Yes. It also apply maybe to the intellectual. Well, even in the intellectual life, there's the, the vice which I succumb to of vain curiosity, <laughs> which falls under temperance, I believe. <laughs> Uh, but uh, justice, um, other ways that prudence isn't the same as temperance. Anything else come to your mind? Yes. Um, I think when we think about it, prudence has this particular relationship not only to temperance, but also to justice and fortitude, yeah. the other two uh, virtues here. We're speaking about the cardinal virtues. So as you say, prudence is about right conduct. And then we say to ourselves, okay, justice is about giving another his due. So prudence helps in order to know how to do that. Yep. And yep. then when it comes to fortitude, fortitude is about embracing um, kinds of challenging and arduous uh, difficulties. Uh, it's all about seeking to live in Christ in very trying circumstances. And of course, prudence, again, allows us to know how to do that in a particular time. Right. You know, um, so I think when we look at that, as you say, there's something very important here about prudence as really kind of the umbrella in some way for the other three uh, cardinal virtues. Amen. Right. 
Well, for the for those of you that are just tuning in, we are doing our Straight Talk segment where it's your opportunity to call in with questions that you might have for Monsignor Charles Mangan or Dr. Chris Bergwald. Our number is 877-795-0122. Again, that's 877-795-0122. Or you can submit any questions that you might have on Facebook. And it looks like we're going to head on over to the phones. Tiffany, are you with us? I am. Good morning. Good morning, morning, Tiffany. Thank you for calling in. And what question do you have for us this morning? So I do have a question. Um, So my question is about books and authors that are business-related. So I love Mm -hmm. to read what I'll call business books, and there's some good ones out there. But I would really love to read some that are written with our faith in mind. Um, There's so many authors and those that are on social media that profess about God in business, but I'm not really sure if who I'm reading is who I should be reading and if they're consistent with our faith. So I'm hoping that maybe you can give me some direction. Like even, for instance, there's a good book by um, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, but mm-hmm. I'm not really sure if I should just be like reading some of these and taking snippets out or actually you know, following. And if you can give me some recommendations on maybe authors to read. Sure. Thanks, Tiffany. It's a great question. Um, to me, really, your question gets at how does our faith impact other the other parts of our life, and in this case, and particularly, the life of, of the, the business person, business owner, person who works for a business, which obviously is, is many, if not most of us in the working world. Um, I, immediately when you were speaking, I thought about a book which is <laughs> has, has a title directly applicable to your question, Tiffany. It's called A Catechism for Business with the, t- with the, the subtitle Tough Ethical Questions and Insights from Catholic Teaching. Um, so this is by two professors at the Catholic University of America, which sort of... Um, they're not sort of leadership books. I'll, I'll get to some other ones that come to my mind there, but it, it was the first thing that came to my mind in, ca- in the case um, of a recommended resource. Again, it's called A Catechism for Business, Tough Ethical Questions and Insights from Catholic Teaching. Originally came out in 2014, so about five years ago, but there's already been a second edition to that book. Um, you know, there there are, I think, throughout our listening area, certainly, as you may be familiar with, in the Sioux Falls area, there are different faith and business organizations, um, and I'm sure you could be in touch with some of them for recommendations, but some authors that come to my mind, there's uh, a man, Alexander Havard uh, is his last name. He's got a couple of, uh, he's Catholic with some great leadership materials. And then you mentioned other books, too, like uh, uh, Rabbi David Lapin, um, and there are some Protestant and Orthodox authors who I know. Dave Ramsey uh, might be familiar to many of our listeners. Um, he's uh, a Protestant uh, radio personality and author. And um, Michael Hyatt um, is also f- from the same area, Tennessee area, but he's an uh, actually he's Orthodox. Uh, he's a deacon in his church. He's um, a, a, a leader on leadership who I personally turn to. So I think... Tiffany, there are some great Catholic authors out there, as you as as you're asking about, um, and I just mentioned a couple of them. But then also, um, we can be confident that when we have a certain level of formation, uh, Monsignor, don't you think that when you have a certain level of formation, that you could read from um, authors of other traditions, Jewish, Catholic. Uh, Protestant rather and Orthodox, um, and and be able to take from them good things while maybe leaving others. 
Yes, I think that's true, Dr. Bergwald. And there, uh, as you say, there are some things we can appropriate. Um, I'm not familiar with the book uh, that uh, the author that uh, Tiffany mentioned, Rabbi, Rabbi Lappin, but um, there may be some principles there that can be very yep, useful. Exactly. Yep. Uh, one thing I might say to Tiffany also is that I know that at times EWTN has done some things with um, programming about business and uh, it might be even just to take a look at what might be available in the EWTN catalog. I'm thinking of um, the former professional football player Danny Abramovitz, uh, who did some work with men in business, and certainly that would apply to, I'm sure in many cases, to women as well. Uh, so that might be something to think about. Yep. Definitely. And um, I, I mentioned Alexander Havard, Tiffany. Um, his first name, Alexander, is spelled D-R-E, so Alexandre, but it's Alexander. Havard, H-A-V-A-R-D. So if you just do an internet search for him, you'll find not only books, but also a website that he has on virtuous leadership. Um, I've got a couple of his books. And I might just say in conclusion with that, too, that uh, obviously the more we can understand the church's social teaching yes. uh, with the popes from... Uh, Pope Leo XIII onward, I think that uh, that will be very much a framework for us in any kind of discussion about business and our responsibilities in business. Amen. Wonderful. Does that answer your question, Tiffany? It does. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. So when I said before you guys are know-it-alls, I meant it. (laughs) (laughs) There is nothing that will stump either of you. It is amazing. Uh, Between the two of us, we can cover some things. (laughs) That's just amazing. Wonderful. Well, if you've enjoyed any of those questions, I always want to give people reminders that they can go back and listen to um, these shows. We have them up on our podcast on our app, or you can go to yourcatholicradiostation.com and tune in and listen to them there. But. Oh, by the way, I, speaking of which, I, I do make a plug for the other show that I'm on on the network, at least in the Sioux Falls area. Yes. Ignition um, is a broadcast that I do that's you can find, even if you're not in the Sioux Falls listening area, um, through the website. Um, we're going to be doing a series on the Cardinal of Virtues with uh, Jason Heron, who teaches at Mount Marty College, later this fall. Um, in late September into October on Prudence, That'll Justice, Temperance, Fortitude. So, yes, uh, we've been running lots of reruns of Ignition lately, but we're getting some new programs coming up. So, new, fresh anyway, but enough about me, Monsignor. Well, no, but that's great. I, let's talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're probably about out of time for more calls, and so we're just going to chit chat for a little bit. So, Monsignor, what is your thesis on? Uh, the Mariology of St. John Fisher, to look at the Marian references in his writings. Now, many of our listeners will know that uh, John Fisher died in 1535, the same year as St. Thomas More, just a couple weeks apart. Uh, he was the Bishop of Rochester, England, uh, a great scholar. Some considered him to be the most intelligent man in Europe at the time. Yeah. Um, he had an incredible library, which unfortunately was destroyed by the agents of the king. Yeah. Uh, in around 1534. So a lot of the works of St. John Fisher we don't have anymore. But what we have, I would call very concise, very precise, and certainly in line with the Catholic tradition. Beautiful. We're going to have one of those in our diocese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might be, it might be a, a good um, topic for a segment. It might be. Great. might be. Well, thank you for all of you who have called in questions. We appreciate any questions. And we do this segment 
every day now. Real Presence Live is every day, and you can call in with any questions that you might have. Every weekday, sorry. <laughs> that voice in you my can, head is correcting you. You can Saturday. try and call in on Saturday. Is that Jimmy Cricket? I think Eli comes in on Saturday. Oh, oh, does he? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just any question, I just I love to hear what our listeners come up with. It's fascinating. Just absolutely fascinating. But it's also uh, questions that are on their minds and things that are dealing with what they have. Thank you. And just the whole thing is a question. I think we, we should never be afraid to ask a question to uh, – was it John, Cardinal – soon to be St. John Henry Newman, Monsignor, who said that uh, a thousand questions do, do not make a single doubt. Yes. And some translations say a thousand difficulties don't make a doubt. But the, the whole idea yeah. that, you know, questions and difficulties are not the same thing as a persistent doubt that we embrace and want. Very different. Amen. You know? Love it. Ask Love away. It. Thank you, Monsignor, for joining You're us welcome, today. You're welcome, Heather. It's Dr. been Rigo. a pleasure. Thanks to all who called in with your questions. Reminder, this is on Monday through Friday at 930. 